Welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Ainer Jr. is here with you. Uh, looking forward to utilizing these a little bit more now, uh, where I can just talk directly to you, take in your questions, and uh, you know, let's see, let's do it, right? Let's let's see what we got going on because it has been a week, people. You know how it is. Everybody has this their job. You you know, you think it might be a busy week. You think you might end up having to do a little extra work or, honey, maybe I'll be late one night coming home. And then the poo hits the proverbial fan and it just all goes straight to hell. Um, It's kind of been like that, I think, uh, around Bengals training camp this week, as you might imagine, as... Joe Burrow uh, goes down with his strained calf. He is out, quote, several weeks, according to Zach Taylor. Uh, on Thursday, in what was a wild scene, at the end, really at the very end of Thursday's practice, where it was just hot as hell. And, uh, you know, he had, everything had been very normal and fine all day, despite this compression sleeve on his right calf. And down he went, though, and uh, and then we all went into a tailspin. That's just all it was. And uh, so I have a story up now uh, on the site. I hope if you're on here right now, you can give it a read. I, I wanted to really, you know, certainly there were updates to file and make sure you guys were aware of what we knew as it was happening. But I really, once it happened, wanted to focus on Let's gather all the information we can and try to do the most thorough assessment of where this thing stands from all angles as soon as possible. And that's what this is. I I, I can't tell you. It's actually kind of disgusting how much I now know about the calf muscle. Uh, And the number of doctors I've talked to, people who've had it, uh, you know, canvassing our network. It's great, you know, here. I could just go down through the injury list and talk to all of our people at the athletic that have, that covered the quarterback that had the calf strain at the time. They were there. They went through it. They lived it. Can tell me how it happened and uh, and you know how it was viewed afterwards. That was extremely helpful to be able to talk um, a little deeper with some around the facility and get a feel for how it's being viewed there. And obviously, we heard what we've heard. Uh, from Zach Taylor about the timeline, which I know makes everybody nervous. Nobody likes the word several. Nobody, no, nobody likes the word several. Except I have a feeling that many of you are planning on having several beers today. If you're going down to back together Saturday, the practice is at two o'clock. Maybe some of you are down there right now having several beers. Um, if you are, thanks for listening while you're uh, down there hanging out. If you uh, see us wave up, we'll be in the press box. I've had enough days in the 105-degree heat. I don't know what the actual heat index was, but it certainly felt like that. Um, So we know where that stands. Read the story for um, all the the real, the thorough breakdown. The the one thing that I think that stood out to me that I want to address before I go into questions, if you have questions, um, you can drop them here into the chat, or you can uh, request to get up onto the stage. And I'll bring you up here in a minute. We'll take those. I want to make sure I kind of cover some of this stuff here first, though. Um, you know, in 
the thing that stood out in talking to everyone that I did is this, for the most part, is not a serious injury. It is not something that there's a ton of concern about necessarily. If it's done right, if everything is handled and there is no setback, this is fine. It won't matter. It'll be a footnote in the season. The Bengals are playing in January. You won't even remember it happened. That's the ideal scenario. That's what everybody wants. They're lucky in that regard that it happened on day two of training camp because you have 40-some days till the opener in Cleveland. The problem that can happen with these, the issue with this specific, what always causes it to be, the word tricky is associated. I think it's actually AP style. You have to put tricky in front of cap string. What always becomes the issue is a setback at the very end of the rehab. Because you feel good. It feels like it's all the way back and it's up to the player as much as anybody to know how it feels, to know their body. The training staff can do their best and certainly they're, you're, you're trained in understanding how it feels and to be super cautious. But the problems that happen, the recurrence that happens with these, when they be, when it goes from a footnote in August to something that lingers all season and becomes an issue, is if you see a late setback for trying to come back too early. That's when the issues happen. It, it rips up the scar tissue and you start back from square one and nobody wants that. So that's going to be the key. And that's the beauty of this, of the timeline of several weeks is you can be conservative. Joe Burrow has never really had a true preparation for the season, and we've seen how the last two have turned out. Uh, He still should be an MVP candidate. It shouldn't have changed anything. Um, So in that regard, I think there's a lot of this, you know, there's a lot of fear. I understand it. A lot of nervousness out there when you start talking about the guy in several weeks and unknowns and there's bad scenarios out there. I, I document Aaron Rodgers. Mike Trout is really the worst one that we've seen in recent years who, you know, said it's one of the toughest things he's ever gone through in his life and it wiped him out after 40 games of a baseball season. Again, it was because of a major setback in the middle, trying to come back too early. So just keep all of that in mind when we're talking about Burrow, when he needs to come back in that that's, this shouldn't be an issue as long as make sure it's 100% healed. Once you're 100%, it, there's there's not a recurrence that's expected. This isn't something that's going to follow you the rest of your life. And we've seen just plenty. Of, I document every single one since 2015 of all these quarterbacks that have had it, gone through it, no big deal, out a few weeks, whatever it is, and play out the rest of the season. Some have won Super Bowl. Some have gone to championship games. It doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's not something to be that concerned about unless the issue would come if all of a sudden you have something happen again. Wanted to make sure we cover all that. Please read the story. Uh, thanks to everybody that has jumped in here. I see a few questions uh, that are already up, so I will try to get into those. If you, if you want to ask a question, please hop up into the queue, um, and I will bring you up to, to ask any question that you want, and, uh, and we can try to cover that. Uh, otherwise I, I will start with a few of these questions that are in the chat. So let's start out here. Uh, let's see. John B. 
Hi, Paul. Apologies if this was already asked. Join slightly late, but do you think Joe sees the field again before the contract is sealed and delivered? Uh, no, <laughs> I do not. <laughs> One, I don't. I, I don't think this affects um, what was already expected in this contract, and that it was gonna get done in this time period. Uh, I think that was all already going to be the the case, but now, I mean, you, you're talking about however long, several weeks to finish this thing off, uh, and and there's no reason to go back out there before. I, I think it's coincidence that he won't touch the field uh, before it gets done, but also like I do think there's there's a there's, there's a spooked element to this, you know the. I don't know what it's like to be young and invincible. I mean, I guess maybe I did at one point, but I wasn't really invincible. But uh, you know, when you're a, when you are the star athlete, you do feel young and, and invincible. You do feel like you can have everything. I do think when guys see this, it spooks them. That's natural. We'll never hold that against any of these guys. Um, and so I think there's uh, uh, okay. Enough is enough. Let's get this done when it comes to Burrow. Um, and I think it will. I don't think it'll be an issue. I think we'll see him as we get closer to the regular season starting, and he'll be very rich. Uh, and so I, I don't think this really changes anything, but yeah, that is a correct statement. He will not touch a field um, until he has a contract just because of the nature of where both of those things are at, the rehab and the state of the negotiations, which everybody expects um, to happen sometime soon and start that get that going in the right direction. Um, have plenty of thoughts on the Burrow contract too. If you have any specific questions you want to ask about that, um, go ahead and let me know. Let's start by bringing up, I've got Fisher C up here in the queue. I'll bring you up here on stage, see how we do. Uh, Fisher, are you with me? Are you there, Fisher? Or are we lose you? Did you go away? I don't see you. Okay, we'll go back to questions. Uh, let's see. Any look at past pro running back yet from Jeffrey S. Um, no, I mean, it's early. They're, they haven't gone into those specific drills. It, it's really, they, they mostly wait to get into pads and I mean, you can judge certainly what guys are seeing out there. And they can, uh, you know, align to the right person. And that's part of it. And that's going to be continue to be part of it. But really, so much of this is going to be when the pads come on, identifying and then executing and ensuring they can do it. And then obviously in games is going to be a part of it. So, no, it's it's early. No pads yet. Um, I, there's not a, ton, you know, not a ton of analysis to be made of, of pass pro or really running backs in general, just the nature of the position. Um, it's It's really hard to make true judgments of, of that position when you know nobody's really trying to tackle. You know none of that stuff um, is is really in play. Um, all right, I'm going to try the stage cue one more time. I don't know why we had problems with the first one. We're going to try it again. Let's go and have Evan D come up on the stage. Evan, are you with me? Hey, there you are, Evan. How are you doing? Yeah, can you hear me? Absolutely. What's going on? Nothing much, man. It's been kind of a depressing few days since uh, the borough news, but um, yeah. you know, it's, it's uh, just slowly getting back to just being a little bit excited, but I keep 
mentioned the borough contract. I just had a question. I came in a little late, so I don't know if anybody asked already. But um, Adam Schefter, I think on uh, ESPN, said something the other day how he expects Burrow's contract to be way north of Justin Herbert's deal, something to that effect. Um, so with that, I was just wondering. I mean, obviously, I can see that being like maybe sixty million instead of the fifty, you know, five million range or whatever. But do you think it could also if they're going to go that much, could it be a longer deal like Patrick Mahomes or something like that? Or I don't know. What can we expect from that, I guess, if, if you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's it's I mean, it's a great question. Question of the moment um, to to really look at what's. I, I, yes, I, I think the expectation of it being far and away north of Herbert is very realistic. And I and I think that was the plan. I, the idea that the Bengals would be totally in the dark as to what's going on with Herbert and, and where that would potentially land is crazy. I mean, they're as aware of that, all of this stuff in those markets as you can be, they knew where they wanted to go. And w- one thing we've seen with them, because I think we're going to see them going away from some of the structures that they have been um, criticized uh, for Right, never going deeper, guaranteeing in them into more years and and cash and and all the guarantee money stuff. Right, that's that they just don't do, and and it makes people not want to, you know, whether they don't want to come here or sign here because of that structure, whatever it is. You know, we we've heard these criticisms because they're real. That's the way that they do it. They they work differently than most teams. We've heard that I, this is going to be the exception to the rule because Joe Burrow is the exception to the rule, and I expect them to absolutely obliterate the most guaranteed money they've ever given to, given to a player. I have that list in front of me right now, um, it, which is $31 million for Orlando Brown was actually the most guaranteed they've ever given to a player. Carson Palmer in 05 was 30.8. A.J. Green in 15 was 26.8. D.J. Reader in 2020 was 20.3. I mean, in the grand scheme – of large guarantees that are handed out in the NFL, <laughs> the, these are tiny. Well, the Bengals' top number will be much, much, much higher, obviously. And I think their guaranteed percentage um, will be a good number, too. But I think it's just going to have a ton of upfront cash. I mean, they have been holding back on this cash for a long time, and that's where you're going to see the high average. The years is the thing. When I When I wrote the piece back in June or May or whenever it was about the, you know, everybody saying these are the numbers that you want to start with. Years is clearly the thing. And so how deep does it, does it end up looking like Herbert with, okay, you've got the two years and then add five more into that. And you're talking about 2029. If that happens, there's no number that's bad for the Bengals. If, if the number, other number is 2029 through the 2029 season, you have him through the rest of this decade. There's no price. The cap is going to go up. The money coming in is going to go so far up. He's going to get jumped a bunch of times. There, there's no number that would make anybody. I know people in Cincinnati. I assume feel this way. Feel that uncomfortable. Um, if you can get to the years that high, and that's where you end up, well north. And I think that's probably a part of this. And that's how you stretch everything out over the longer course of the contract. That's how you keep all the pieces together. That's a big part of the structure thing when we start talking about can they do chase. Higgins, 
and Burrow. So keep an eye on that. And yeah, I fully believe all of that. I don't think there's anything false in the concept that this the, the original number is going to blow people's socks off. The same way Mahomes' original number blew people's socks off. And now it turns out it's one of the best, most team-friendly deals that's ever been done. So they would love to go that way. I don't know if it's going to be that extreme, but I do expect it to be a massive number. No question. Uh, okay, let's go. Mark B, come on up on the stage. Mark, what's going on? Oh, there can you hear me, man? Absolutely. What's happening? Awesome, man. Thanks for uh, doing this. This is always a fun time. So, uh, what's your what's your favorite uh, beer in these uh, hot temperatures, Paul? Oh man, what a good. Thank you very much for a a, a question that really matters. Uh, you know, as a Fifty West guy, I'm loyal. I think on a hot day, there's nothing better than a doom pedal. Personally. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just the light Belgian white. It's just yeah. the best one of those. And when it's hot and you're out there, like, um, that's, I, it's my go-to in pretty much any super hot day situation. Gotta agree with that, man. Gotta agree with that. Um, I'm going to try to uh, transition from the borough news. It is what it is several weeks. Yep. I'm on the preseason and hopefully be good for the Browns. So uh, what I was kind of running into uh, most excited for this uh, like uh, training camp was the safeties and the cornerbacks. So how do you feel? I know the defense usually has the advantage uh, coming in, you know, the first couple weeks uh, against the offense, but it looks like Burrow is cooking. How do you feel like the safeties are doing? How's Dax communicating? And I know that uh, uh, DJ Turner has been lighting it up uh, with second string. So what's your thoughts on all that, man? Yeah, no question. Uh, I like that, Mark. Um, I've heard really good reviews on Dax Hill, and he's looked the part. I mean, I feel like he's kind of picked up right where he left off at the end of last preseason where he was just, he was really playing well, really, really looking instinctive, doing all the right things. Um, You know, Jordan battle has gotten some quality reviews from people that I've talked to of liking where he's at. And, you know, you're right. I I don't know how anybody isn't coming away from these first three days talking about DJ Turner. Great story that Brian Callahan told me yesterday was there was this play in the corner of the end zone that was trying to whoever it was, I think it was Simeon was trying to loft a ball um, over top of Turner towards the pylon. And D- DJ just went so high in the air. It was, it, it was, it was uh, almost appalling. He told me afterwards, you know, his, his, his vert at the combine was 39, which is a massive number, but um, he's actually far better at jumping off of running, jumping off of one foot. It's like, a bit a much bigger difference for him and it showed i mean he would look like he was levitating and uh brian said that uh dan pitcher turned to him and dropped a semi-pro reference on him and says jackie you can't just fly through the air like that uh and, and it, it's just it caught everyone's eye everybody out there on the field is blown away now he's a guy that should look like that in shorts i mean he's a he he's always gotten you know, the reputation of being smaller. So when the pads come on, we'll see, you know, his physicality and how that holds up. But my goodness, um, he has made a million plays. He's been sticky. He's been athletic. He has popped. There's no question that he's been kind of the star of those first three days. Uh, they're just in such a good spot. I'm having so much fun. If you're going out to a practice, um, if you're coming down or if you just, you know, enjoy watching the videos, watch Cam Taylor-Britt versus Jamar Chase. It's so much fun to watch right now. Both like to jaw. 
but both are really it seems like they're really into going against each other. They're really living and Cam's having his moments. And Jamar's gonna beat everybody and beat them pretty consistently, but Cam's having having a few moments out there. This is I, I think I'm gonna write about this and I love spilling my stories onto the podcast, but like I I think that this could be a really big development for Cam to take his game to the next level of just one month of one-on-ones with Jamar Chase. Because, and that's what it is. I mean, anytime they're out there, that's where Cam has been. And so I think it's going to be really beneficial for both. And they're super fun to watch because, uh, you know, two great athletes going at it. And, and when you see, you, you, you probably, I'm sure if you're a Bengals fan, you find yourself rooting for Cam. You know, Chase is good. But if Cam becomes a guy who can hang with guys like Chase, the Bengals have something pretty special happening in their cornerback room, especially with Chibi Wuze looking really good back healthy. All right, let's go next. Uh, Richard B., let's bring you up here on the stage. Richard, how you oh. doing? What's going on? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm uh, doing fantastic. Well, let me tell you what. You're not doing nearly as good as that article you broke uh, this morning. Uh, you must have researched that for hours. Uh talking about Mike Trout and all the different injuries of all the different quarterbacks. That was Thank very you. impressive. Um, Appreciate it. Calling from Norman, Oklahoma, home of Zach Taylor. One Zach uh, Taylor, absolutely. He's in the Hall of Fame there. Uh, yeah, very much so. Um, uh, I wanted to transition away from Joe Burrow, too, a little bit. So now you've got the realization that you might have to uh, you know, he could miss a game. Doesn't sound like it. But, you know, you got to look at your offense and what it's going to look like with a, uh, you know, either Browning or the other guy. Um, so do you change a little bit of what you're trying to do in camp just in case? And uh, uh, Yeah. That's uh, a good question. Uh, Go I ahead, mean, Richard. maybe – Maybe the running game, uh, try to work on that a little more. What would you do? Yeah, um, well, I what I would do is probably fairly irrelevant, uh, but I, I can tell you a little bit of what I think they're going to do. You know, their plan is, as it's not going to be all that different. They're going to run their stuff, and they're going to view Simeon and Browning as point guards distributing to these guys and not asking them to do – a lot of the stuff that Burrow does, that's sort of part of his calling card. Just have them out there, run the offense, take advantage of all the players around them, and, and be good that way. As camp goes on, they they will probably add touches of things that Browning and Simeon do well just to help them shine and help get a better feel for where they are. And that also can plant seeds for if they are needed at some point in the season in that regard. But I don't think you're changing the offense all that much. You can lean into other concepts. You can lean into safer throws that take more advantage of getting Jamar the ball um, underneath and letting him break tackles. But I, I think it's set up where no one's going to be Joe Burrow. I mean, they're screwed if Joe Burrow misses a, misses a ton of games. But um, you can come in there and you can fill fill in for a chunk and win plenty of games when you consider the weapons that are around them. And, um, you know, Browning's been in this system for a while. Trevor Simeon's a, a vet. Uh, they have a great defense. There's plenty of ways that you can survive. I don't think they feel like they need to go in and change all that much. I think they need to 
continue to try to be good at everything. They have plenty of weapons and, and, and ways to go out there and do it. I don't think it's a matter of, Oh, let's, let's start focus on something else just in case. I think they just go out there. It's more of the same. They run their stuff, maybe add a few things here and there to help those guys. But for the most part, uh, it's business as usual. This is this is the offense right now, and we're going to continue to run it so everybody stays comfortable in what we have been doing and continuing to do that. That's their best path forward. Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, I'll, let me go back to the chat real quick before I get to Aaron B., who's sitting there because I have gone away. Okay, let's go to um, with the Trey Henderson extension, they unexpectedly created extra cap room. Where else can they create cap room for multiple uh, extension. So the Trey numbers I thought were interesting. Um, it, it's what I thought it would be, which is, yes, more upfront cash for him that he kind of locks into basically $5 million. But it all it does, it really serves more as security for him. And we mentioned a bunch on the podcast that sort of you know, lame duck year that he had next year because he he was the huge cap hit and very little dead money if they chose to move on. An uneasy spot for him sitting there uh, wondering if he doesn't play great this year, they can just cut him loose or feeling like he's in a hard contract year and nervousness about that. So they reward him with a little bit of cash. Kind of funny that it's basically the money that they took from Joe Mixon gave to Trey Henderson and added a year onto the end, which gives him security because next year his dead cap number would be 7.8. That's not a number they're going to stomach. Trey Henderson's here for this year and next year. The thing is that lame duck year we were talking about that was previously existing on the contract, they still exists. It's just now in his age 31 season. You're talking about um, a, a cap hit uh, of 18.6, which is a big number. But if they were to let him go, uh, they would the dead would only be two point seven, um, and they would uh, save up or up over sixteen. So we, when you start talking about the issue is there before, it's still gonna be there. Just a year later, he gets five million dollars more and security that he'll be here this year and next for sure. That's when that's a win for both sides. It creates more cap room. Now, where else can they do that? Um. I mean, the Lael Collins thing continues to hang out there. Um, that's obviously going to be something that is going to come down to the wire. They were not showing cards on that this week. Um, the only thing is there has been no impression from anyone I've talked to that he's going to be back soon. This is strictly going to be a matter of a pup stash. Okay, Put him on PUP, stash him away in the background, and if something happens and somebody gets hurt, and you know Collins is eventually going to be back and healthy, or they feel they have to feel confident about that in order to actually keep him. Uh, they can keep him around in the background. Otherwise, that's cap money that's just sitting there. When you talk about Collins, he um he he's at six. I'm pulling it up right now. I'm going to give you the exact number. Uh, his current cap number is at his cap number is at nine point four. That would be six million dollars in caps. Savings as a pre-June one, but assuming they this would be set up to spill over into next year, it's even bigger this year, 7.1, that they will be saving on this year's cap. So that's still sitting there, too, as another piece of business as they start trying to, you can see it, they're filling the buckets, they're dropping, they're moving buckets, pies, so much pie. You know, slices are getting larger. They're getting smaller. Let's move Mixon here, add Hendrickson here, that caps us up here. I said it. 
this whole process, if they can pull it off with Jamar and T and Joe and feel like they are keeping the pieces that they want, it's it's Katie Blackburn's Mona Lisa. She's been um, a wizard and, and done an incredible job of keeping them in good cap health for so long. But this is like the ultimate challenge that she's had to go through of trying to figure out how do you make this work? How, what is the best path forward with all these massive numbers? And you're seeing it now. So we'll see. Maybe it's the Mona Lisa or maybe it's, uh, you know, your, your kid's crayon drawing or you did, is that a frog or is that a tree? Right. You don't know. We'll see how it turns out. I have a feeling knowing Katie that it's going to be, uh, more towards Mona Lisa. Uh, but it's, it's a big moment for her and for them as they try to piece all of this stuff, uh, together. All right, let me go down the list here and just do a, go through a couple more uh, before I get out of here. Uh, do you see the Bengals signing any free agents left on the market that are willing to take veteran discounts to get a ring? Any chance Eli Apple comes back from Michael H? Thanks for the question. I do not think Mike, Eli Apple is coming back. Certainly not if their cornerback room stays in the shape that it is now. It's in great shape. Um, and they really like Alan George. Sidney Jones has made plays. He has ups and downs. He's a veteran that you know what you're getting. Sidney Jones is your fifth or sixth corner. I mean, you're in really good shape the way DJ Turner has played. Um, you know, they, they've got DJ Ivy still back there who's a draft pick. They don't like to just give up on those guys. I mean, they, they're very well stocked in the depth of their cornerback room. So I don't see that. Free agents. I still think you just keep a little bit of an eye on the running backs. I think they're going to assess how guys look here early in camp. Chase Brown, Travion Williams, Chris Evans, those guys. If they, After a week or two, if they don't feel like they're seeing what they want to see out of the third down running back battle, I, I think they're going to look into the market of uh, some of those guys that are out there. We've mentioned those names. I know Ezekiel Elliott is uh, visiting New England this weekend. Uh, Dalvin Cook's out there. You have Kareem Hunt out there. I mean, there's 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 a number of these types of guys that are veterans that could come in and potentially fill that role. So I think they'd start to look at that if they feel like the answers definitely aren't coming from within. But they got to judge that first. And they're kind of in the part of that. Um, let's see. Uh, do you think Zach is making plans to lean on the running game uh, in the beginning of the season? Uh, we kind of touched on that earlier. Um, I, I do not. Uh, how has Charlie Jones looked so far? Has he made any splash plays? Charlie Jones has been solid. I think he's looked nice. Um, you know, Andre Yoshivash has probably had more of the splash plays. They've loved throwing up these uh, back shoulder fades down the sideline and just letting him go up and get it because he's so the way he runs and and his he's big and can get up so high. And uh, you can sort of see them saying, well, that worked once. I'm going to keep doing it. I think we've seen maybe six or seven of those where Yoshivash goes up. Yeah, he, he hasn't come down with all of them, that's for sure. But he's he's made more than his fair share. And uh, you can kind of see the quarterback saying, I'll give him a chance to go make me look good. And uh, he's been doing a little bit of that. So he's he's had more of the splash plays. Uh, I think Chuck Sizzle has had a little bit more of just the underneath uh, juice. Uh, you've, you've seen him been able to wiggle open a bunch of times and – you know, they're really excited to see uh, what they look like once they get them in the games, once they get them getting more prominent reps, because they're excited about that. Um, uh, how's Orlando Brown Jr. looked from Aaron B? Um, he's very big, and he looked ready for camp on day one when he was fighting with Trey Hendrickson on the third snap. I mean, I love Trey Hendrickson had these, if you saw it, if you saw his signing picture, 
he's got he had these like giant red marks across his neck. He said that wasn't actually from him fighting with Orlando Brown. Uh, it was actually from him getting pulled back and like the jersey and stuff ripping across him. He said like a dog on a leash. And uh, it's a hell of a leash because uh, it looked ugly. He said it looks way worse than it actually feels, but it looks bad. Um, but that's that's just kind of Trey Hendrickson is a different type of practice player. And Orlando Brown apparently is too. And that takes some getting used to on both sides. Uh, and so I thought his reaction afterwards of saying, I apologize, I kind of blacked out, that's not me, uh, was great because, you you know, he realized where it went and he realized that you got to get used to practicing against Trey. Now, Trey hasn't practiced a ton against ones. I think they've been trying to get, a, you know, who he is. They're trying to get a better look at Joseph Osai. We've seen a ton of him out there at edge with the num- number ones. So I think you're going to see, you're, you're seeing a lot of that. Murphy's still kind of working in the background more with twos at this moment, uh, which I think you would expect early in camp, but um you know, Brown's look, Brown's continued to look good. I think we know what he's going to be. I'll get to a couple more. I'm going to wrap this. Um, another question from Brian B. on the Collins conversation. Does Lyle Collins get paid if he doesn't play? I thought there were a lot of roster bonuses there. That's correct. He has about three times more in per-game roster bonuses than anybody else on the entire roster. They structured it that way as clearly a way to hedge against his Injury history and just general unpredictability, $2.4 million in per-game bonuses this year, the next highest. I mean, is under one. So um, they that's it's not like we're talking about tons of money, but absolutely, uh, if he just didn't play, they would save a decent amount per game that he's inactive. But we're talking about a million or two million. I don't think in the, in the grand scheme of the, uh, of the decision, I think that's a small part of it of the pie, if you will, since we're so comfortable with pies these days. Um, it, it's more about, I think, the big number, the bigger number of the cap savings and cash savings. And, you know, how much is that worth to have that ins- a very expensive insurance policy just sitting there in the background? Um, let's see. Are you sorry? Are you, Brian B. Also, are you surprised they haven't signed a three technique? Um, no, let me tell you guys and ladies, I'm on team Zach Carter. I love everything that Zach Carter has done this off season. I love his attitude. He looks massive. I mean, he is up over, he was playing out of position outsized last year. They moved him inside. He was still playing at like 290. You know, he played out, he played smaller than that. Um, and mostly outside at Florida, obviously did a little bit of both. And But w- when they felt like they needed backup and help on the inside, he moved in there. And I think he just felt like he wasn't prepared for mentally for what to do in there and physically wasn't in the right body type to be a, you know, a rough and tumble battling three technique against these bigger guards. So he has worked out like an absolute maniac. He's up over 310. He's super intense about it. Um, and he's really feeling dedicated to having a breakout um, as as BJ Hill's back up. And I, I'm buying stock. I'm buying big stock in Zach Carter right now and where he's at. I, I think they're in a, I, they feel like they're in a good spot because he because he has approached it the right way. And that's really been a difference maker, I think, for them laying off that position. Uh, Adam P. Is T holding in by not participating in 11s? Great question. 
Um, again, I mentioned, you know, you can get, it's natural to get spooked by these things. Um, you know, his agent is always happy to play hardball. It's been a thing with all of his clients in most situations. I don't know. You know, you, it could be day to day. You know, they sort of termed it as a lot. There were a lot of guys that didn't participate in the 11s yesterday. He wasn't the only one. Um, so we'll see if that continues. You know, if he's out there today in 11s, then no. If, he, if it goes on, I, I think we can safely say if it ends up being yesterday, today, Saturday, and then also Monday, and he's not in 11s, you're starting to get a feel for where he's headed. But let's give it time. Let's see what's going on. There's there's no contention that he has a, a nick or, or or something that he's, you know, working back from. That's It's strictly a matter of, hey, take, take a day here. And that's fine. Guys get those all the time. He doesn't need to go out there and catch passes from Trevor Simeon and, and Jake Browning. So we'll see uh, what that looks like. I, I think let's talk about it again after Monday. So we'll, next podcast next week um, will be me, Dave. Uh, Mo will be back. He was on vacation last week, so we'll have Mo back on the pod. Uh, and, and we'll talk through some of that stuff then, and we can have a better chance to um, evaluate it. Uh, all right. Appreciate you guys hopping on uh, and, and hang with me here through the podcast. Hope everybody enjoys the weekend. If you're going down to the stadium, uh, stay cool. Uh, and uh, we will be back. I'll be back checking in with you. Keep a lookout again. I have a story up uh, now with the the full thorough details on everything you need to know about this right calf strain and several weeks and all this stuff. Um, I hope you guys uh, take that in and enjoy it, and I'll have more. I'm going to have a big uh, trends piece that's going to be up, sort of uh, carrying together the trends of the first four days on everybody else, so keep a lookout for that. Um, on the site, uh, I'll go pretty deep into into some of the conversations I've had and things that I've seen over the last four days that aren't Burrow related. Uh, looking forward to getting to that. Let's get back to non injury news, please. Uh, all right, thanks everybody for uh, checking in with the live room. Good to have you on here. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you early next week.